are lucky enough to have a young lady from the BRT crew who has, as we all know, is a very bubbly personality, but she did have a wonderful career before she became part of the BRT crew, and we're going to learn all about that. I would like to welcome the BRT social media manager, Kate Thompson. How are you? Uh, thank you, Gosby. Thank you for having me. No worries. Very excited to have this chat. A lot of people in the BRT crew know you as that bubbly personality around the group, but I think a lot of them don't know about your story before you got into triathlon with the Beckworth Racing crew. And I think we're going to cover a bit of that today because you've had quite an amazing journey with netball and playing with Australia and things like that. So let's get it all kicked off, Tomo. Where were you born? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I was born in September. In 1993, in September, and I was born in Geelong at what was known as back then the Baxter Hospital. Um, and I was born there but living in Anglesey at the time. So I spent the first couple of years of my life growing up in Anglesey. And then from there, we moved to Melbourne but kept our house in Anglesey. So I started primary school and kindergarten and um, that up in Waverley. Glen Waverley, that area up in Wheelers Hill. And then when I started in year one, we moved to Geelong and still had our house down in Anglesey and have stayed in the same house ever since. I've spent a lot of my childhood split between, I'd say, Geelong and Anglesey predominantly. That's quite a nice little lifestyle living down. If you've got a nice house in Anglesey. It was amazing. I loved it. It was right near the um, pirate ship playground, if people are familiar with that. And it was just a few minutes to the beach, to the shops. And yeah, there was so many good memories growing up there. So gathering you lived up in Geelong and down in Anglesey, lots of sport in your early life? Yes, definitely lots of sport. I was always outside playing. Um, I was thrown into netball quite early and it was the sport that I pretty much focused on my whole childhood up until quite recently, actually. Um, so, yeah, I started playing netball in year two and sort of never looked back since. So you've never looked back from playing netball. So let's go on with that. So you played in grade, grade two all the way through, so little, little junior netball. Yeah. And then yeah. What's, the, what's the progression for, for people that don't know much about netball. What's the progression? Is there like an Oz kick? Is there like a, was it a kangaroo? Not kangaroo cricket. What's the? They have a cricket one as well. Yeah, but. yeah. It, there is a really strong pathway for netball, um, being the most popular sport for women in Australia. So quite often, I guess for me, I started playing with my school, which was Christian College. Um, used to just play on a Monday night straight after school. So we'd finish school and go to the courts down at Kidinya Park. Um, then the next progression from that is generally you'll join a club. So I joined South Barwon in the GFL league um, when I was in, it would have been under 15s. Um, and I and they have quite a good representative, um, a great netball team, weren't they? And they had a great triathlete in that team in Renee Lane as well, who played for South Barwon for a long time. And... Kylie Lane, who's part of the Beckworth Racing Crew. <laughs> there is a little bit of triathlon history yet there. And, yes, it was a really strong club, great junior program as well. When I was growing up, I was under um, 
two coaches called Shelley Fagan and Chris Brown. Um, Chris Brown was the assistant principal at Montpellier Primary School and has actually works alongside Jesse Fisher these days. He should be stoked. He's got to mention. (laughs) Yes, you're welcome, Fish. So that was awesome doing that. I used to love that you'd train um, on a weeknight and then your Saturdays were filled with um, club netball right from 8 a.m. and you'd spend the whole day there watching all the senior teams play and you'd look up to all the girls in A grade and it was just fantastic. There's so many good memories there and such a great footy netball league culture as well growing up so that was a major part of my pathway in my junior days um I guess from there you I got selected in the interleague Geelong football netball league team which is um a made-up team of guess the strongest players from everyone in that GFL league um and you go play at a tournament um which they call state titles which is just huge it's held up in Melbourne over a weekend and it's a tournament round robin tournament style um it was so exciting doing that you'd get up there really early like mum would take me up and I remember like you'd get this big number put on the side of your leg which was your ID number and as well as playing um for the premiership to be the best I guess league in the state there were also people walking around with clipboards um, identifying potential players to progress further in the netball pathway. Um, so so yeah. what age was this? Sorry, Tomo, yeah. what age was this, mate? Uh, so that would have been under 17 age groups. So I think, yeah, all our players were between 15 and 17 years old then. Were you as tall as you are now or were you a little <laughs> bit shorter? I was a little bit shorter. I was up there with my height they did grow quite early um but you'll find out a bit later on that does change (laughs) (laughs) so you went up there and the people walking around with clipboards so it's a little bit different like people have played football have played things you go to these sort of tournaments and they have people walking around and trying to identify talent really isn't it to see yeah who can go forward in the sport and pretty much so there's like although you're quite young and you don't really notice or think about it like that it, it really does have a big influence on um you as a netballer and the progression and the pathway that you may take I mean in saying that there's many other pathways and if there's a will there's a way and you will get found but this was the main pathway for that so I was lucky enough that they thought I had some potential and thought that they could pursue me for the next stage. So then the next stage of the pathway is to trial for the Netball Victoria Zone Academy squad. So each um, region in the state has their own. So um, we were sort of like the, I think it was the West West Zone or something it was called. And you would go up twice a month for a full day on a Sunday and do some more specific training, some training at higher intensity, and that was aimed at developing your skills and knowledge and I guess starting to learn more about how netball, um, how you can play netball at a more elite level and things that you can start to do. So they'll start to talk about your nutrition, what you can do off court to better yourself as a player and also start to look at that strength training to help um, improve your strength as a player out on court. Nice one. So that was a, a lot of Sundays 
you would have gone up to Melbourne and <laughs> your parents were probably driving you up and back. So They were, yes. My mum took me to every session. So she did an amazing job and I was very, very lucky and fortunate to have such supportive parents to help achieve things that I wanted to do. But, yeah, it was a lot of Sundays growing up as a junior where it was just netball on the weekend. So you were doing that at the time. What, where's your progression there? So you've learned, you've gone up there, you've learned some new skills, some new strategies and things like that. But what's the progression from there? What did you achieve after that? Um, so then from there, they um, you play a tournament at the end of that. It's similar to that um, state titles that I just spoke about before where they um, start to pick your squads for the under-17 Victorian team to then train and go compete at nationals. Um, so I um, got selected for the under-17 Victorian netball squad. They select a certain squad. I think there's about maybe 18 to 20 players they select in that and you'll go through a grueling process each week and similar structure to that Netball Vic Zone Academy where all your Sundays are specialist training but then the coaches are now starting to select the final team to go represent at nationals. So they're looking at combinations, players' strength, um, and I guess making a team of 12 that will hopefully bring home the national title. So I went up there for the under-17. Um, so talking about you're talking about teams getting people together and things like coaches trying to get people in the right positions. What position were you playing or were you – and you would have been competing against other athletes for your position, other netballers? Yes. So I did um, all my netball mainly playing as goal shooter and also a big goal attack as well. There would have been lots of people trying to go for goal shooter or were you just uh, the standout? there were plenty of competition out there I actually had no idea how I was going to go and I was really nervous for it all because the players were all incredible and a lot of them I genuinely thought they were better than me and I was just this little girl from Geelong coming up the highway and just giving it a go but um yeah I tried for that under 17 state team and I actually didn't make that team I um, didn't get any further than the squad, so I got a letter in the mail to say I was unsuccessful. Um, what did that feel harsh. like? Oh, it was awful. It was this back then they used to send everything out via the mail, so you knew if you're getting a really fat e- um, mail sent in the post, that was great because it had all the information for the upcoming um, training <laughs> sessions and you know all your information about your flights where you're staying the tournament details but you knew if you were just getting one piece of paper it was a disappointing letter so as soon as I had it in my hands I knew I hadn't made the team and I just ripped it open and I just sat on the ground and just read it and I just felt so mad at myself that I didn't get to make that team but I also made a promise to myself that day to not let that happen again and I had some feedback in that letter on what to improve on for the following year if I was happen uh, if I happened to make the squads again for the different age groups going forwards for nationals and I yeah had a really big summer and spent all my weekends at the goalpost doing agility conditioning just doing everything I could as a little girl to make my spot on the team the next year that's um. I've heard a lot of people get uh, letters that knock them back, but getting feedback is is quite a wonderful thing, and I think that's a credit to Netball Victoria or Netball Australia with those with a letter like that to give you feedback. Yeah. And as you said, you've just said that you've that summer you spent all the time down the goalposts 
working on your agility and things like that and it gives athletes a chance to improve. Yes, yeah, it was fantastic. The um, pathway and I guess that, that area, they do an incredible job. And I remember there was six dot points. There was three good points of what I was doing well and then three points to improve. And I think, yeah, they call that, well, we call that the shit sandwich in a way. So it's like the good and the bad and you mesh it together and you balance it out. So that was great to receive that. So, yeah, credit to Netball Vic for that one. Did you make the team the year after? I did. I got a nice big email. We'd gone from getting letters in the post to emails. So I was so happy to make that team. And, yeah, it was great to get that. And so that was your first uh, national championships? Yes, that Where was. Where was that held? Don't tell me that was held in Melbourne. <laughs> I'm trying to think because we used to combine um, – that would have been under nine. So that first one, actually, yes, I do remember now. It was the under nineteen Victorian state team, and we played up in Queensland. Ah, so you get a holiday out in, of it as well. Yes, except that it was in Logan. It wasn't quite the Gold Coast. We were down in Logan. Um, <laughs> or Noosa. Yeah, or Noosa. <laughs> we got to experience that later in life, but um, it was a great learning experience. Um, nationals was. Huge, yeah. Had played two games a day, one in the morning, um, one in the afternoon. You got to play every state and territory in the country, and then um, Victoria's got quite a rich history of making finals and um, doing quite well. And we had a really great team with um, a lot of experience as well. So we made finals and we lost our grand final to New South Wales that year. It's no good, mate. <laughs> That's okay. But, yeah, it was a fantastic week. You, you have so many memories from Nationals living together and staying in a hotel and just doing netball seven days a week. Quite, and it sounds like it was quite intense, like um, two games a day. But what was the training? Did you have a training camp beforehand? And how would, say, you're going to a competition, mm-hmm. how would the day actually run as well? Like you said two games, but... Yeah. What does that involve in a day? Well, Warm-up recovery? Yeah, all of those things. So leading up to it, I think we trained um, every Sunday. It was traditional. It was state training. So you'd rock up and you would go to the State Nepal Hockey Centre. That's where all the sessions were held and we'd be on the courts. And trainings would generally be three to six hours long. Sort of very, cool. yeah. So that, that were big commitments and you'd bring your lunch and all your drinks and it was broken up, so you would usually do a little bit of specialist work, then you do a little bit of match play, defensive work, um, piece that all together. Often we get other players um, to come in and we'd have match play as well. And then there would also be talks from um, nutritionists, sports psychology. We used to sit down and, you know, you'd look at your KPIs and your goals, so how many turnovers would be um, a reasonable amount for the game, how many um, unforced errors, goaling percentage, um, how you can support each other. So each Sunday you would just gradually grow and learn and add on a bit more and it was, you know, like each step of the ladder to then finally, you know, you jump on that plane. And then when you were, flew out to nationals, you would – it always coincided with the school holidays. I think we had to take a few days off school early – and we would fly. Oh, that's, that's a shame, it isn't it? It was very unfortunate. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, we'd fly out um, 
we would all stay in a hotel together. It was very strict. We would be in about rooms with two to three other girls. They usually mixed up between um, defenders, mid-quarters and goalers. And we had just a timetable that we'd run through each day. So we would do a little bit of training in the morning in the lead-up to nationals um, and I guess tapering and just finalising um, your the way you're going to hit out each game. Um, for goalers, like for myself, it was really important we'd go and sink some shots at the post, get used to the goal rings because um, quite often they were goal rings you'd never seen before, which sounds quite silly, but from a psychological point of view when you're in, at nationals, it's just so crucial to be just in flow and on autopilot. So it was really great to be able to do that and then once the competition started um, we usually have a game in the morning which I think usually range between 8 30 and 10 um, and then from there you would go straight into the change rooms where you would do your ice baths for your recovery you would do your um, what else would you do you would do um, so you get your chocolate milk or whatever they were doing to help for recovery um <laughs> you'd have a, like your stretch and snacks and then you get to see your family for a few minutes um and then we were put back on the bus and we'd head back home and um or home to our motel and then pretty much do the same thing later that night so then for the evening the games would be between 5 and uh 7 p.m roughly and exact same process yeah so, because netball is quite an intense game, it was, sounds like it's like it was even professional, very professional set up back in under underage netball, and playing what you play seven games in how many days? Three or four days. Yes. yes. The recovery part sounded like it was very important. Recovery was huge. But you're a, you're a goal shooter, so you didn't run that much anyway. So. <laughs> I just stuck my arm up and got it lobbed up. No, no it was actually, it's actually so important and it's something you probably learn as you go. Um, just You cough a lot of hits out there and the intensity is just huge because it's such a great title to achieve for. And as well as playing nationals, um, same process as back when you were playing for those state titles, you'd have um, national identification people watching each game and all the games are getting filmed and from there that also um, if you're successful that can transform into making the Australian squads for underage and so forth so recovery just was just paramount and I think you just learnt the importance of uh, food and sleep were the two main ones. Two of my favourite things food and sleep. So <laughs> we get along. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your first time going to nationals as an underage, did you progress further up the pathway with people watching you or were you spoken to at this stage or um, what was happening? Yes, I was. So after the grand final was played, the way they used to do it is we'd all um, sit down for presentations. So pretty much straight after the game was played. So we'd gone from losing the grand final to sitting down with all our states and territories. So they were all lined up across the court, all the um, supporters and parents were in the crowd. They would announce runners-up, winners, third place, thank all the um, partners and sponsors because it's such a big week coming together. And then the last little bit would the the, um, uh, the selector would get up and announce the underage Australian 19 and under and 21 and under squads, depending what age group you were doing. So for that one, it was under 19s and they listed 
all these players that had made the Australian squad and I didn't even know really what this was at the time. It was all my first year and I was just like so gutted actually at losing the grand final and um, then I heard my name get mentioned and from there you were just handed a booklet and um, yeah, it was the next step in that pathway is then the Australian underage squads. So they read your name out. What was the feeling at that stage though? They've, you've said you did, were a bit unsure what was happening. You're still gutted. Yes. You must have changed your uh, tune after that or you're still pretending to be gutted and inside you're like, oh, my God, what's going on? I was, I was pretty excited. It was, it was a nice way to end the week. Um, and I guess like despite losing a grand final, it also showed how strong the performances were during the week and something, I guess, to be proud of and was a reward for all the hard work and time that I guess you have put into that lead up. So I was super excited to get up there. I got up there with everyone else and we got our booklets and it made the plane trip home quite pleasant. So you um, got your little booklet, you've come home, but it was a bit, rather big year that year anyway, wasn't it, also? Yes, yes. So it was a huge year to be sort of thrown in that um, netball pathway. Um, so that was in 2010. And um, also that year was the year I changed school. So I spent um, my final two years out at school at Geelong Grammar School where I was offered to go there on a sports scholarship for netball. So that was a massive experience and I reckon that played quite a large role in um, helping me develop. Um, John Grammar was day boarding school, so um, I would jump on the bus at 7.30 in the morning um, and then it was a whole holistic approach, so where most uh, students would go home at 3.30 in the afternoon that went to, I guess, a 9 till 3.30 school, um, we stayed until 8.30 that night. Um, so we got to do pretty much everything at school, including sport, dinner and study. So it was really great to get those opportunities. We got to play um, a lot of netball out there. I guess it's what we were out there to do. Um, I had a really wonderful coach called Di Honey who did a lot of work with me and helped me develop as a player. Um, so it was a really big year because as well as, I guess, representing Victoria um, for nationals, I was also representing Geelong Grammar for school and trying to do everything I could and have all these facilities, this wonderful wellbeing centre and gym and pool and coaching and courts. And it was just a great time to sort of develop as a player. And I was also only, I was in year 11, so I was juggling BCE as well. So yeah, to do that, Nationals, and make the Aussie squad, you could say it was quite a successful year. That is quite a successful year because juggling VCE for some people is big enough. For most, say 95% of people, is, but to juggle you know, a career or sporting pathway on top of your studies is quite an amazing achievement. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're, so you're at um, yeah, Geelong Grammar for – for two years, and you're playing uh, netball as well. Were you still playing at South Bowen at this stage or just for Geelong Grammar? Uh, just for Geelong Grammar and Victoria at that stage. I had to give away the club netball because we would play for the school on a Saturday morning instead. And that, and that is in the, I'm pretty sure it's the APS competition, isn't it? That's, yes, yeah, the it's APS quite a, league. A prestige, 
quite a prestigious league. Uh, that's all the big Melbourne grammar schools for those people out there that don't know it. But it is quite a <laughs> yes. prestigious thing to, to win. Yes, yeah, it's really unique and you get to see some amazing private schools up in Melbourne and it's, um, yeah, it's a very polished competition and a very, I guess the word is unique opportunity that you don't really get to see until you're a part of it. That was the 2010 going in 2011. What happened in 2011? Um, 2011, so I was still at Geelong Grammar. It was year 12, um, final year of school. Sort of similar to year 11, um, except I'd moved up to the under, top age, under 19 age group um, for playing for Victoria for nationals. I think we are. We played out in Launceston that year for our nationals and we went through undefeated. Um, what we, a wonderful town Launceston is. <laughs> it, was, it was something else. It was such a fun year. I reckon it was my um, greatest nationals, that one is. So many good times. We um yeah, we go for walks in the morning and play your two games and we'd have this mini bus and Tasmania is ridiculously hilly. You don't really realise till you're out there. I remember the mini bus, I wasn't sure if I was gonna make it up and down the hills. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an awesome tournament. And also later that year, um I was um selected in bottom age under twenty ones for the Victorian state team to play at nationals. So I got to play in two nationals that year. Um, that was held in Melbourne actually for the under-21s out at the Waverley Netball Centre and that was huge making that. I was um, three years younger than most of those other girls. It was my Out of the team of 12 they selected, three of us were all these little babies in the team and we, we were – just like these little puppy dogs, our eyes were just like so wide and we were hanging on to every single word that the girls were saying and doing and we didn't even expect to get on the court that year. We were just so happy to have like a spot in that team. So, yeah, 2011, massive doing BCA Year 12, um, under-19 nationals, under-21 nationals, Um at the end of the under-21 nationals, they selected the Australian squad because it was heading into the cycle of the World Youth Cup. Um, so they would select an Australian 21 and under squad to help form the start of the selection process for that next step, which is selection in the Australian team. So I was, once again, we had lost the grand final at the 21 and under nationals, so I was sitting there. Bit, bit bittersweet and then the selectors get up again and they say the Australian squad and yeah I was amazed my name got called out for the Australian 21 and under um, squad which was huge because I was quite young at that point and didn't really expect anything to come out of that nationals. Wow that's especially 17, 18 and you're competing against girls that have been three years older. Yes. Uh, that's quite an amazing experience. Were you playing with anyone of that was has gone on in that team, or? Yeah, lo- lots of them. Um, majority of those girls did go on to get eventually get contracts. So, yeah, it was fantastic. They're very talented fantastic. players. I was surrounded by. So the World Youth Squad that you got selected in. What is the World Youth Cup? Is it just a netball tournament? Yeah, it's a massive netball tournament. It's. I guess the way to explain it um, to people is, it's, I guess, it's the equivalent of the 
Commonwealth or the Olympic Games, but for Nepal specifically. So it happens once every four years at a place anywhere around the world. Um, so the cycle that I was looking at was to be over in Scotland in Glasgow and before that, you know, it was in Fiji and all these exotic places around the world. So Glasgow, exotic. Lord of that Loch Ness monster. <laughs> but Fiji would have been exotic. Yes. <laughs> You got selected in the Youth Cup squad. What do they involve? Because you've spoken about training, going up every Sunday to training in Melbourne Victorian team, but this being an Australian team, would have, you would have had netball smaller in Australia coming together. So gathering, you couldn't do that every Sunday. <laughs> There'd be some great frequent flyer points there. <laughs> yes. Yes, spot on. So we would have a training camp. Um it was at the end of 2011. It went for three weeks. Um, from there, we got immersed into a training camp at the Australian Institute of Sport. So we all got flown in from around the country the day before the camp was starting. There was so much nervous energy and pretty much it was the beginning of a three-year selection process to finally select the team of 12 to compete at the World Youth Cup. So there was massive stakes and it was a very thorough training program. Do you remember how many people were in that squad? Uh, there would have been about 24 to 28 of us. I think they sort of selected about eight goalers, eight mid-quarters and eight defenders to then finally cull that down to your four goalers, mid-quarters and defenders. So you've got about 24, 28 athletes, snipplers at this camp, all vying for 12 positions. It's not like a yeah. triathlon where you've got, you know, if you go to the Olympics, you've really got three spots. So, but it, that is quite competitive because you've gone down from thousands and thousands of young girls down into one team, your Victorian team, down into another squad. So at this point, you must be over the moon that you've been selected. But how did the camp work? Were people being sent home if they were, weren't up to it or were they just everyone was there till the end? And um, uh, Everyone was there till the end, so you'd earn your spot in that squad and you pretty much got immersed in a daily training environment. So you would train each day. You would um, stay at the AIS and use the facilities there. Um, you would get to do specialist sessions. You'd do match play. Um, you do ball work, conditioning, um, recoveries in everything that you would do as a normal athlete. You just did there and you were just pretty much um, on display the whole time to a selection panel of about five Australian selectors. Um, they would just sit on the sideline the whole time and just watch and observe and take a lot of notes. So we did that for three weeks and um, we Flew home on the 21st of December and it was quite a crazy... Just before Christmas. Just before Christmas. So while everyone else was on schoolies, I was in Canberra pretty much. That was your schoolies, wasn't it? That was my schoolies and, yeah, we um, it was full on. Like it was a lot of, a lot of good players up there and a lot of players that um, you were sort of learning more about and getting to know and form all these friendships with these people and... Yeah, there was a lot of match play. It was very um, intimidating, I guess. It was the, my first exposure at that elite end. And at the start of the camp, they um, said that they have already selected 12 scholarship holders 
to actually attend the Australian Institute of Sport on the netball program for full-time scholarship. Um, but they actually had two more positions, one part-time position and one full-time position to still select. And they were going to select those final two players out of um, the squad from this Australian squad. So there was a lot to vie for in those three weeks and it was incredibly intense. And you did get some good news on the last day, Kev? Oh, I did. It was a whirlwind of a day. I also got my VCE results that day and also got You don't have to share I, how well you went. I didn't do well. Like I said, I was at Geelong Grammar for a sports scholarship, not academic. <laughs> I, was, I was not happy with my number there. But also that same day I was um, pulled into the office by the head coach of the netball program um, her name was Julie, Julie Fitzgerald. Yeah, so I went into the office. Julie um, asked how I had enjoyed my time the past three weeks and I said it was fantastic and thank you for the opportunity. It was incredible. Um, and then she asked how would I like to do that more next year and move up to Canberra with 13 other girls and be an AIS scholarship holder. And I couldn't believe it and I said, yes, that would just be amazing and I would be honoured to have that opportunity and then I just left and called my mum and shared the good news. And, yeah, I, not long after that, then we had um, weights training and we got put on the planes and sent back home to our home states four days before Christmas. So that's how <laughs> the, that's how it worked. It was <laughs> very – A whirlwind of three weeks. Whirlwind, a whirlwind of three weeks is a great way to last describe. Day. Yes. What a great opportunity because I remember growing up, and you hear about all these great athletes that go to the AIS, especially because I was a swimmer and, you, you know, you, you try to strive to go. You wanted to go to the AIS and I remember going there. Here you go. This is how old I am, Tomo. In year 10, which was 2000. Yep. yep. <laughs> we're up in camera for a <laughs> good time. <laughs> but we're up there. But it's such an amazing experience. What was, what was it like? Did you know much about the AIS program or you were – strive to go there or you just over the moon to get ex- accepted? Um, I was over the moon. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I'd heard little bits and I had obviously just spent three weeks up there. So I got to learn a lot more about it over those three weeks, but I was moving in with all these girls I barely knew. And I guess accepting it. And at the start of it, um, I probably didn't really realize how professional it was and what I was really in for. I guess I was a little bit just blindsided and just young and just walked straight into this incredible opportunity, which was one of the best times of my life so far. When did when did you move up to the AIS? What part of the next year? Uh, so it wasn't long after Christmas. I think it was towards the end of January. I drove my car up. I was still on my red pea plates and... We, my um, parents came up as well. We took two cars. We could rotate who was driving and do this nine-hour journey in the car to Canberra. So, yeah, towards the end of January, it all kicked off and we had all our bags packed and we walked into the – you parked, you walked um, – you drove your car all the way to Canberra. You went via the Red Tucker Box, Beechworth Bakery. You did the rounds. Um, <laughs> oh, did, you go, did you go past Goulburn, the big merino? Oh, of course. <laughs> it's iconic. <laughs> and, That's uh, my favourite that one. <laughs> it's pretty good. 
<laughs> and you'd get to Canberra and you'd go down this really long driveway into this institute that just had all these departments everywhere and it was it was just a beautiful part of the um, ACT really. It was really bushy and nice and found the car park, the student parking, park the car, walk into the check-in area, you walk into this office and all of a sudden your photo's taken, you're given these forms to sign and you're like handed a lanyard with a swipe pass and from there you'd walk through the doors and it probably wasn't until I walked through the doors to the residence, to the pods they were called um, where we were staying. They were kind of like three-storey townhouses that I really clicked as to what I was going to be in for. Now, one of my favourite things I think would be you would have got all this uniform. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been like Christmas. Yeah, it was incredible. We didn't get our – we got to try on our uniform in the first – Oh, actually, yes. No, that's right. We tried on uniform back when World Youth Cup camp was on if we were selected. So it had all been ordered and it, it had arrived and the uniform, it was Christmas. We had singlet tops, bike shorts, trench coats, track pants, different kinds of track pants. You had travelling uniform, polo shirts, just absolutely anything you could think of. We got supplied um, crop tops, runners, socks. It was amazing. I could never seen so much uniform in my life and just so much of it as well. And a suitcase. And a suitcase to put it all in. (laughs) (laughs) So you were there full-time that year. What does a full-time scholarship provide you with while you're at the AIS? Um, It comes with absolutely everything. It was a very humbling experience being provided with so much you were provided with accommodation um all meals were supplied you would have a whole dining hall which um oh yes please yes which is just as great as it sounds you would walk through these doors and there was just bain marie's and chefs that were qualified in cooking nutritious meals and you just have six different meals to choose from and then six different salads and all these different sides and fruit salads and condiments and desserts and it was up to you because obviously there were so many different sports there with all these different nutrition requirements and needs and yeah they just had to cater for everything and it was up to yourself to I guess um decide what you needed to eat and do so you had all that and you've got your recovery centers you've got your plunge pools hot and cold you've got the jets to help you've got um those moon boot um compression um Boots, yeah. yeah. You've got massage chairs. You've got those float tanks. Um, They came complete with a screen that would sit right above your eyes so you could float, but also they used to put on um, your sport and you in action so you could start to visualise and see how you were doing. Where do I get get one of these from? (laughs) (laughs) So if you had a really good goaling session, you'd get to watch yourself goal and, um, you know, you could start to see and – help with like all that and you've got your all your courts you've got a massive massive gym with every bit of gym equipment um that you could ever want you've got like eight netball courts basketball volleyballs the swimming pools um you get free access to doctors um physiology psychology sports massage just all at your fingertips and it was mandatory to have a massage at least once a week 
Oh, wow. It was tough. Oh, that's, that's what's going to happen when I win the lottery. Yes. <laughs> really, it was such a cool, crazy experience. Like, so let's go back to your, when you walked into the, the great food hall of the AIS. Were you just in there with the netball crew or were all athletes in there at different times? Uh, so it was open for everyone. So you'd often be in there with all the other different sports. Um, yeah, and it was set up to be a really cool facility. It was set up to sort of help relax and be a bit of downtime for athletes. So, you know, there was big communal tables. There was like bench seats. There was the papers, newspapers to read. Um, so you, quite often we'd go join other sports with meals, um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all that. It was cool. That's cool. That's cool. So what would a day in the life of the AOS hold for you? Um, so we'd either do strength or conditioning in the morning. So we would wake up to start our sessions at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'd do weights for one and a half to two hours. Um, Tuesday and Thursday mornings were conditioning. So it'd often be um, quite netball specific and high intensity, short, sharp, intervals that would really get your heart rate up um and then we'd often do a group court work session in the morning um we'd do a specialist session in the afternoon and then sometimes we do match play at night time as well so you could have between three to four sessions a day and then in between all of that you would be able to have a bit of downtime. You'd also have to sort out all your appointments um, between nutrition, doctors, and physio and massage, and they were always ongoing. They were very um, proactive in reaching out and just getting ongoing maintenance work um, for you. There was a lot of assessments to do. Um, and as well as that, there was also we also got to work up there. So I used to work as the postie for the Australian Institute of Sport. So I would get to do that as well, three hours a day. Postie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was yeah, really did they cool. pay you for that I or was just part of you? Uh... They paid me. That was my pocket money for the weekends because we got weekends off. So I used to drive a little golf buggy around and I'd go into all the departments and sort the mail and the Australian Sports Commission and <laughs> departments and deliver it and organise it and, yeah, get a little bit of pocket money as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's very quick. That is unreal. <laughs> I can see you in a little golf cart too. Just... Yes, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zipping along, out of my music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how was the Canberra nightlife on the weekends as a young 18-year-old? <laughs> it's very fun. Uh, <laughs> we probably uh, we did enjoy the nightlife. All the sports did. Look, there's only so much you can do in Canberra. Um, and a lot of us had the weekends off. Our coach, she used to go back to Sydney. So we had no commitments on a weekend. So we... As an 18-year-old, we used to go, um, it was called Uni Pub. Yeah. And it was a four-story nightclub and each store was a different theme and the bottom one was the bar and they used to do $2.50 spirits <laughs> <laughs> between 10 o'clock and midnight, so it was prime time. So <laughs> Tomo time. Tomo time, yes. And then we'd go, you'd walk up these stairs and you'd go dance and have a really nice time, you know, hanging out with all your friends. And then 
you would do you'd then go to moose heads it was called moose heads nightclub we used to say we'd go get loose at the moose and everyone would be out there dancing having a great time and they do the moose antlers on top of their head and that was a signal and everyone it was everyone all the sports we used to all go out on the weekends um we knew then we'd go to moose heads and have a great time and then yeah we'd sneak back into the residence later that night so <laughs> nightlife was surprisingly very good very strong game up there <laughs> so this is um, 2012. You haven't been selected to play for Australia yet as such. Yep. What happened in 2012? Um, so towards the end of the year, I went through a selection camp um, similar to that World Youth Cup style where everyone who wasn't on scholarship already flew in from around the country and we had a I think it was a three-day selection camp, which was multitude of training sessions and a lot of match play. That was the most significant part um, to create the Australian under-19 and under-21 teams. Um, I was young enough to be still selected and eligible for that under-19 team and I was um, fortunate enough to get selected to represent Australia under-19. So... That was towards the end of 2012. Um, we got to play a test series against Samoa and New Zealand. And the funny thing was that test series was actually held in Ballarat. <laughs> you've you've travelled to some great places. You really get to see a lot of things. <laughs> I think we'll, I've, I've spoken about this on previous podcasts, but Doing a sport, even like netball, you get to go and see a lot of parts of the world that you wouldn't usually travel to. You do, So, yes. you know, you've been to Launceston, Ballarat, Logan, but if you were to go, I'm going on a holiday, those places wouldn't come up and you get to go and see some, still some amazing parts of the country or the world. Yeah, and in saying that, that's three of the destinations, but there were other nationals in there as well and some of that was like Scarborough and Perth and we had like Sunshine Coast and – um, Marichigo and, you know, we got to Cairns, we got to do a lot. So, yeah, we got to see some really great places and some not-so-great places. But, yes, the main thing is, like, you just get out there and you'd see so much more than what you would do if you weren't doing netball, I guess, or a team sport. Yeah, and that's, well, then that's where sport, being able to such as some sport sometimes lets you allows for travel and things like that. Yeah. So that's the um, – that was 2012. 2013, selected again for the AIS. So you took that yes. back up again. But another big year for you for representative netball. Yeah. So at the end of 2012, we our scholarships were all for one year. Um, we all got pulled in the office one by one and most of us got offered another, another year. So we're back up there for 2013. So the 2013, that was – that was a huge year. That was the World Youth Cup year. So that was the year that that process had started for back in 2011. So um, got to do that daily training environment, work, play, um, all those things. Um, later in 2013, they selected an Australian 21 and under team of 14, which was the second last selection before they um, made that final selection to go to that World Youth Cup 
Um, so once again, we had a really big selection process for that. Everyone flew in. We did a lot of match play. Um, and because they were taking 14 players, it um, provided, I guess, an opportunity to take um, a few extra people across and I was really fortunate enough once again to get selected and I made that Australian under 21 and under team, which was fantastic because that was a lot of work for many years just to get to that point so far. You were also selected for the Australian under 20 team that um, went over to Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. What was that like travelling with a team to that part of the world? Um, Incredibly demanding, actually. It was quite a high-pressure environment. Um, There was a lot of, I guess, relief at making that team and there were a lot of nerves because this was the second last selection before that World Youth Cup team and it was, I guess, our first time travelling overseas to such a significant test series to play. So there was a lot of uncertainty leading into that, I guess, for myself and you know, you start questioning what's going to happen. Am I going to play well on court? I have so much to prove. But it was really, really um, eye-opening over there. We flew um, from Melbourne Airport and ended up in Jamaica. No, ended up in Trinidad and Tobago first, which was an eye-opening experience. It's a third world country over there and that we had a lot of rules that we had to adhere to. It was a lot of strict procedures. We weren't allowed to leave the motel. The motel that we were staying in was quite questionable as well. We were in rooms at two and safes had been broken into. It was incredibly hot. The food was very different over there and it was actually quite dangerous um, to leave the hotel. So we really only left to go play our test series games and from there we would go straight back to the hotel. So you were pretty much in lockdown. It, yeah, it was pretty much like 2020 <laughs> in lockdown, but no, it was... So you've had some practice. I've had, yes, well rehearsed, but it was just, I just remember it being incredibly hot and humid and, um, yeah, it was quite dangerous as well there was one game one test series that we were going to and we were driving down this main street and I saw all these people that lived in these homes um just staring through their blinds and you could just see their pupils and they they just looked it was just a look of terror and you were thinking what's what's happened and we're on this bus and we're escorted by police um one in front one behind to each game and all of a sudden they just say just everyone just put your headphones down just look straight ahead don't make any movements and it was actually quite sad on the way to that game the street across from us had been a really big fight and um some people had shot some guns and a little boy had been shot in a crossfire and yeah I guess it just sort of made us realize how scary and dangerous it was and how also how dangerous that could have been for us. I mean, we had all the security and everything, but we just missed such a significant um, fight and such a dangerous situation, you know, by a matter of minutes. And, you know, to then go from there to the game to play a test series, it's, you know, quite a lot to wrap your head around when you're 18, 19 years old. It would have been for a young or even if I was over there, my 18, 19, or even now it's quite confronting 
to see all that. But then yeah. to go and compete at a high level at your chosen sport at the, straight after that, it would to push it out of your mind would have been quite tough. Yeah, definitely. It was um, it was quite scary actually, and I guess you had to really just switch on and off and live in that present moment. So it was quite a relief when we flew from Trinidad to then Jamaica because we got put in an amazing compound and we weren't allowed to leave the compound but it had shops, pools, we had a beautiful place to sleep, we had Wi-Fi, we (laughs) had all these little (laughs) luxuries that we'd just been stripped of and the Jamaican um, crowds was just insane. They were just, you know, there was um, advertising for all these games everywhere. We were on the side of buses and all this promotion. And, yeah, it was really cool just to sort of get out from Trinidad and then get to see more of the world over in Jamaica. And how did you go on that test series? Do you remember? Good. Yes, I do. Um, we won all six games. So, yes, we had a very great um, time over there, very successful it was a, an incredible bunch of girls to play with. Oh, that! And then what happened? You were went there, and then it was the last selection criteria f- or selection process for the Youth World Cup. Yeah, yeah. So from there, that finished. We flew straight back. Um, if we're part of the AIS, which as we were, we flew back to Canberra and just resumed that daily training environment. And then I think it might have been about six weeks later was the final selection to select this significant World Youth Cup team. So we had another three to four day selection process. So much match play, so much pressure. Um, it was pretty brutal. I guess you'd gone from selecting a team of 14 to cutting that down to 12 because the INF, International Netball Federation rules state, you can only bring 12 players across to the World Youth Cup. So we, at the end of that um, selection process, we all got taken to a room and they've changed the way they do it but back when um it was my age group we would sit on the ground and the coach would get up say thank you she'd read out the team if you weren't mentioned if your name wasn't mentioned it was done in alphabetical order you were asked to stand up and leave the room (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's brutal and you being t is down the bottom somewhere yeah so yeah it was it was a Dab to the guts if you weren't mentioned and there was nowhere to really go so you'd just be sitting out there just going and anyway long story short I didn't make the final 12 for that World Youth Cup I got cut from that team so I was one of those people that stood up and left the room and also with that comes a termination of the scholarship for the rest of the year. Oh wow. Yeah so you've gone from having everything handed to you in such an elite training facility to I guess being asked to in a really polite way but <laughs> pack up your bags and within the week when you're ready well, make yourself I was about to say was there a time limit like walk and go you've got 30 minutes to pack your stuff up and <laughs> you pretty much except it was seven days that's essentially what was said yeah so you'd that's gone up. yeah there was a a lot to take on in seven days when you'd been working for something, I guess, full-time for two and a half years. Yeah. So you come back to come back to Geelong and you've kept playing netball um, for the Victorian Fury, which is yeah. in the yeah. – uh, is that like the, the Suncorp netball competition they have now or uh, – Pretty much. It's like the, like the 
pathway program for that. So we mimic what those professional teams do. So each um, state and territory has a feeder team, so for Victoria, Victorian Fury, and we would travel with Melbourne Vixens um, to wherever they were going to play and we would play um, usually before or after them on the courts. So we used to fly out Friday nights and we play a game Saturday and then a game Sunday um, against the same state. So you'd play two rounds in a weekend and then fly home Saturday night. And, yeah, Monday to Friday we would just be back home in our home environments doing whatever we wanted to do during the day. And um, we would train four to five nights a week, sort of starting at 6 o'clock at night up in Melbourne bit at the VIS at Albert Park, bit at State Nepal Hockey Centre, wherever courts were booked for. This was, but this is coming towards the end of your young career in Nepal. Um, something that you've played, well, since grade two, so that's, what, seven. So you've played for 15 or 16 years. Um, yeah. How long did you play in the Big Fury for? Uh, so I played um, from 2014 to the end of 2017 so three uh, four years there four years there yeah and you're retired from that ball together yes I haven't touched a ball since I pulled the pin at the end of 2017 do you miss it I love watching it on tally but I was mentally exhausted from I guess what I had done and I guess the processes that I'd put myself through. Um, so I don't actually miss the sport of playing it, but I do still watch it and enjoy the sport. So you went from competing at such a high level as a netballer to moving on to other things. How did you get into the sport of triathlon? Um, so... I just had a bit of a sore back after I'd finished playing netball, so I went and saw a physio and she she um, suggested I just start swimming for a little while and stop all other kinds of activities to just not aggravate it. So I took myself to the pool and would swim five to 600 metres and think that was really great for my back. And then as I um, progressed, with seeing her she was then like great now you can start to ride a black so you can swim and ride so I started to do that as well and then once it settled down a bit more she was like awesome now we can start to introduce some running as well so yeah I started to do that and I was like hey that's just like a triathlon <laughs> I'm not playing netball anymore so I I'm actually really enjoying this and it's really great on my body um, so then I just had a Google one day and I was like triathlon groups in Geelong because I didn't really know what I was doing. I was terrible in the water. I rode a hybrid for a bike I was, and running was something I never had a proper training in and Adam's name popped up in Beckworth Racing so I got in touch and that's how I started to double in triathlons. In the start of 2018, I think that would have been. You have achieved quite a lot since actually finishing netball too. I didn't know that you had run the Melbourne Marathon for one. That's how good I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've yes. done you know you've had Geelong, but I didn't know you'd run the Melbourne Marathon. And yes. you've also competed in the uh, World Championships of the World. Yes, the standing Bowen heads. Big, the big biggest event. race on the Victorian calendar, Australian King calendar. 
Puny fool. <laughs> but let's talk about when was your first triathlon? Do you remember? Um, yes, I do. It was a Bowen Heads triathlon. I just entered it. This is before I'd uh, spoken or joined Beckworth Racing and I took my hybrid bike down and just did it for something new and something fun on a day off that I had one weekend. So, yeah, it was awesome. I was terrified and it was so exciting just to complete it. And uh, the Bowen Heads Triathlon is such a, like most country races, are really good for beginners because it's more, you can go down there, there's a lot more accessibility for people to see you and have a chat to you and I think we need to have more country races like that. Yes. Um, especially for beginners and people wanting to trial the sport before going on and doing a half Ironman or an Ironman. Yes, that's really inclusive. So it was it was great. So I'm going to say or gather that your biggest achievement so far would be completing the 2019 Ironman 70.3 Geelong. It's up there, yes. So I would probably say it's on par with Melbourne Marathon. That was a very big day and big event to tick off. It is a uh, – and I know how well you trained for that, so congratulations on completing that. Do you have any other races you would like to comp- complete in the future? Um, I really enjoy the training. That's sort of why I do triathlon. I think one day eventually I'd like to do an Ironman and run down that red carpet, but I'm in no rush to actually do that anytime soon. And then I guess I'd love to also just continue doing like the 2XU series up in Melbourne and just sort of, I guess, we'll wait and see what happens. The great thing with triathlon is you can just do it for so many years and being an individual sport, it's up to you to decide what you'd like to do and how you'd like to do it. And it's so nice to have so many opportunities coming from a team sport. So we'll wait and see. I was going to say such a big personality, but just such a, your presence around the group, which really helps. And you just spoke about um, enjoying the training. And I think that's what one of the best things about uh, being part of a group is that you've always got someone there to train with and enjoy it. And racing's just the, you know, the end product, the, the thing that well, everyone's going, I'm going to go to a race, but you've got to have the process to get there. And that's where the training is, I actually find better than racing myself too. Yes, joining a group is probably one of the best things you could do and I think Beckworth's done such an amazing job and Adam's done such an amazing job with all the other coaches to create such a welcoming culture that caters for beginners through to people who are really experienced and really good at the sport and it's so nice to just be involved with that and not have a hierarchy and just have a place where you can do an individual sport but feel so included and have so much um, support around you to help achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. Yeah. Well, Kate, I'd like to say thank you very much for the opportunity to have this wonderful chat with you and learn and for the listeners to learn so much more about you before, you know, your triathlon and joining Beckworth Racing. You've had such an amazing life so far and fitted so much in. Do you have any last words or anything inspiring you'd like to pass on to people who are still umming and ahhing out there? Uh, just whatever it is that you would like to do, just give it a go. It can seem so scary at the start, but if 
for me, I guess changing schools was huge, changing my environment and then taking up, I guess, the opportunity interstate, moving out of home at 18 to um, another state was just massive and I guess just traveling and all that. It's all just so scary, but just, just do it because there's so many opportunities out there and then I guess doing triathlon was something new again. So don't think, just do and you'll just have an amazing time and you just never know where it can take you. And, yeah, I'm really lucky to get some of those opportunities and it's so much more ahead of me still, so we'll see where it goes. Thanks, Tomo. Thanks very much. Thank you. That is the end. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to the Gossip Podcast with your host, Anthony Goss. For more great episodes, please visit our website, www.beckworthracing.com. And remember, in the great words of Coach Goss, do something.